In this episode of The Interface, I spend time with Neil Wabi, Senior Human Resources Generalist for Amphenol Aerospace in Sydney, New York. Neil has been with Amphenol since 2014 and has spearheaded a number of HR projects in his time. We talk about his time in college as a business major, trying to do business things, but finding human resources in the process. We talk about wearing many hats when working in HR and how oftentimes he's as much a therapist as anything else. We talk about the vast differences between working for a major defense contractor and working for Amphenol. And we talk about the constant desire to take on new challenges and find ways to better our work environment. This is The Interface. Let's do it. You sure? I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready. I don't know what I'm ready for, but I'm well, ready. You're, you're ready to be interviewed. And yeah. you, I see you wore your Amphenol shirt. so you're. I well did. Prepared. I was at a uh, high school this morning. Oh, you were? Uh, sitting on a panel, yeah. What was the panel? Um, it was a... It was at a local high school, mm-hmm. and it was uh, I was sitting on an employer panel uh, for their senior students, mm-hmm. and they wanted to. Um, it was organized by their guidance counselor there, mm-hmm. and um, it's probably ten companies uh, yeah. represented locally, and they wanted to kind of communicate with the students um, do's and don'ts of for interviewing and looking for jobs, and um, yeah. kind of tips and tricks and things like that. So what did you tell them? Um, well, I mean, I, I have several, I kind of just go with the flow on like, depending on what audience I'm with, but mm-hmm. in general, I have kind of an overarching, um, some boilerplate stuff that I hit, like the size of our company, mm-hmm. uh, globally and here in Sydney. And then kind of talked about, you know, I think one of the questions was like, you know, Things like you absolutely don't do in an interview, and I have many examples of mm. of things that I've seen that I would not recommend that anyone do in an interview. Give me, give me one. What's your best one not to do in an interview? Um, not to do in an interview. Um, probably I had somebody tell me once that they didn't really want their the job that their dad wanted them to get a job, <laughs> and so that's why they were there. Okay. Um. And then little stuff, you know, chewing gum, not dressed, you know, fairly appropriately or anything like that. But mm-hmm. um, I haven't had anything crazy, crazy. I've just had bad interviews and I've seen some really bad resumes, too. So, yeah. you know, I, I tell the the interns that come here and I tell when I talk if I talk to high school kids about employment, stuff like that, you know, if you're going to go to college seek out your career services department, find out where they are mm-hmm. your freshman year. Because I didn't know where mine was until my junior year when I was like, oh, I need to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. I was studying business and I, I just, you know, when you study business, I just assume, you know, I'm like business people make money. I get a business degree. I'm a business person. Mm. And now you hand me money. And that's how we live. I and love I, it. Yeah. I mean, when you're 20, you're so smart, you know? Yes, you are. Um, and so uh, come to find out, I'm like, oh, I, I graduate in a year and a half. Um, I, I know I have talked to some people about insurance sales. Yeah. I don't think I want to do that. Yeah, yeah. And so I went and found, you know, my career services department and started looking through brochures and like, oh, I need to figure out what's going on here. So this is at George Mason. I University. went to George Mason. Yeah, good yeah. memory. Yeah. Well, I also I do my research. 
<laughs> um, so you were there because you were born and raised in Virginia, right? Or raised in Virginia. So I, 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 I tell people I'm from D.C. Mm. Uh, the truth of the matter is I have ties to what what's called the DMV. Mm-hmm. So not not the Department of Motor Vehicles. Delmarva. <laughs> D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, oh, Del, yeah Del not Marvel. Delmarva. Del, that's Delaware. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, the wrong one, but yeah, yeah. DMV. Yeah. yeah, close. Um, but I grew up in the state of Maryland, in a small town outside of Annapolis, Maryland, which mm-hmm. is a is a be- Annapolis is a beautiful place. Right. Um, and then I went to college in Northern Virginia. I think that's why I said Virginia. Yeah, it's a George Mason. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I spent. <laughs> Not quite equal amounts of time in both, but mm. pretty much when I was 17 and went to Virginia, I was then in Virginia until I moved here when I was 20, I, somewhere in my 20s. Mm-hmm. I, I can't remember, mm-hmm. you know, but. So, but you, so you go to George Mason, you go to your career office, you're studying business, you're waiting to be handed money. <laughs> yeah, because um, I'm a businessman. Because you're a businessman now, right? So you have your briefcase, you have your Fisher Price, my first suit. Yep. You're all ready to do business. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, when, where's my office? Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. Where's my uh, administrative assistant? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, who's exactly. getting me coffee? I yeah. graduated here. Business degree. Right, right. Yeah. Where did you, or how did you finally get to human resources? Because that's, human resources is a, is a fascinating subject to me. Um, and I'm just wondering how you got to the human resources side of the business. Yeah. So, um, when I when I went to my career services department, I started reading through the types of jobs that people with my major got. Mm-hmm. And my major, my major, I had a focus in my major. Like you can have these focuses, right? And yeah. So I had a focus in my major that was really revolved around the management of people. Okay. So um, I would say my degree was in business management, not business administration. Uh, so it was really people management oriented. Okay. In a business setting. And so I started looking through this list and it was a lot of insurance sales and sales and and all these things. And me being me, a younger version of me, uh, just didn't think that I could do sales. Mm -hmm. Little do I know that I do a ton of sales on a daily basis. I might not sell connectors, but I I do. I've I've always done sales. Everybody does some type of sales. Sure, yeah. It's very different from what you're referring to. But yeah, you're right. What yeah. you do is sales. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, my, my, my uncle, who is a businessman, top hat and a suit and a briefcase, yeah. he, <laughs> he told me, yeah. if, if you're going to make money, you know, you sell a product or a service. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I don't make products or sell products to customers, but uh, my service, my business is myself. My mm-hmm. service is in, inside of the business here. And so I, I uh, started looking down and one of the descriptions I read was, was on HR. Um, and so I was like, I need to get an internship. And I, I don't really know. I didn't have anybody mentoring me saying I, I need an internship, but mm-hmm. I was like, I need to get an internship. Um, because my resume at that point was just, you know, whatever odd jobs you have when you're a teenager and a 20 year old, which I, I worked, you know, all the time. So mm-hmm. I had a resume. I just didn't have one that had anything to do with my business degree. Mm-hmm. So I just started sending on that time. It was Craigslist, you know, I was yeah. just sending out job a- applications on, you know, that for jobs that I saw on Craigslist. And I got an internship, uh, a summer internship. Actually, I guess it would have been, it wasn't for credit, but 
it would have been considered a co-op, um, you know, because I did it in the summer and then I also did a semester of school with it. But uh, kind of while I was doing school part time, but it was in, in HR and I had some HR related tasks and I, I got to see what I really liked was that from that first internship, I got to see that in human resources, you you aren't an accountant doing, you know, the, the general ledger. You aren't in sales, you aren't in operations or whatever, but you work with all of those people mm-hmm. and you kind of are in a sense a piece of the glue that, that you know, holds those people together right. or whatever. So I really liked, uh, you know, uh, that aspect of it. I, I didn't have a single focus. Like I wanted to be an accountant or I wanted to be an operations manager in IT or anything, mm-hmm. but I liked working with people. That's good. I, yep. mean, that, that, I hope so. If you're going to be in human resources, yeah, you better like working for people or with people. I've met a, I've worked for and met a really interesting range of human resources people. I had yeah. one of my first managers out of college told me, you know, why do you want to get in HR? You're going to hate people after, <laughs> after working huh. in HR. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I see what she says. I don't, I don't hate people, but I see you meet a lot of people and you have good and bad experiences, you know, for her to say that, you know, must've been after a lifetime of just being frustrated at times, but <laughs> I get frustrated at times, but I have much better. I have much more positive experiences with people than I do, you know, negative. You work with people on a wide range of subjects and topics, at least in here, and you're interacting with hundreds of people and you get to know some, you know, sometimes some really personal stuff. Sure. Um, and, and that's, that's not a normal part of the job for other areas of this business and operations say, I mean, you would, if you're a supervisor, you might have to know about one or two people that, that you're overseeing, but you know, you and, and human resources and the other, the, the rest of the HR team, I mean, you, Sometimes you hear some pretty, it's some pretty sensitive information. Um, and that part is always the part I think that's been fascinating to me is, is how you then, you know, in every case is different, how you work with that, how you, you know, you act as part counselor, part advisor, part healer, part um, whatever it may be. Yeah. I, I mean, I always, uh, I kind of joke, like on my business card, it just says Neil Wabi Human Resources. It doesn't, I, I rarely say don't forget my, the mushroom cap part. The, the, <laughs> my my certification on it at the end. My Sherm certified. Shroom cap. My yeah. shroom cap. I should take that off. No one knows what it means. Anyway, I love it. So. I love it. I would leave it on there. Yeah, the Society for Human Resources Management certified professional. I know. I looked it up. Yeah. 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 I'm certif- certifiable. I am. It's good. You're cer- <laughs> you're a certified professional. Yeah. You're a businessman. Yeah, I'm a certified <laughs> businessman. Yeah. So yeah, no, I always I always kind of say like I um. I, it, there's no point in me putting my actual job title on my my business card because. Mm-hmm. Some parts of the day I'm a recruiter, mm-hmm. others, other parts of the day I'm a, you know, psychologist or psychiatrist, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, or I, I'm a counselor, yeah. you know, sometimes I'm a business developer, you know, I mean, sometimes I've helped with engineering projects, you know, so I wear a lot of different hats and there is really no point in putting my real job title down on, on yeah. my card. No, I get it. So you figure out what you want to do, and then you start doing some jobs soon after you get out of college. You work for JBS International. 
<laughs> yeah. You're impressed, aren't you? Yeah. I, 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 I'm on LinkedIn recruiting a lot, so I, I saw That's you. All I, have at, to do. I saw you looked at my yeah, profile. I mean, so. Come on. Let's but yeah. now we I'm gonna cut this part out yeah. now, so then people go, Wow, he really knows a lot about <laughs> Neil. Yeah. I made like two clicks. <laughs> yeah, two clicks right before we sat in here. <laughs> so I looked at it, I looked them up and I'm I'm still trying to figure out what they do. So what do they do? What did you do for them? What yeah. do they do and what do you do for them? If I remember, it was a long time ago, but if I remember JBS stood for I want to say it's the, the the three founders or it was two founders. I don't know why the name is three, but it was like Johnson, Basin, and Shaw or something like that. I, mm -hmm. And um, it was a woman-founded, woman-owned company mm -hmm. in the uh, Washington, D.C. metropolitan area. They were actually in northern Bethesda, you know, a short drive into D.C. And they were consulting, um, a consulting business services, consulting for um, – uh, whereas we're in the military sector for our business, they were in the health and human services sector. Okay. Yeah. So they, their programs, you know, they'd work on websites and programs or they do proposals and, um, you know, different types of things that I barely understand, mm -hmm. uh, for like, um, you know, programs for runaway teens or, um, you know, social kind of causes. Right. And I was an HR assistant, I think, or it was, it was besides my internship, it was my, you know, bottom of the totem pole. Entry level. Entry level, putting, um, you know, employee folders together, mm -hmm. you know, filing. Yeah. yeah. But you got your, you got your feet wet. You got some experience um, in, in some of the tasks and maybe you weren't doing some of the higher level stuff, but at least you, you understood where this, how this whole you know, machine worked. And then you moved to Northrop Grumman before you came here and you wouldn't have to go through all this stuff. But yeah. Northrop Grumman obviously is a, is a huge customer of Amphenols. Right. And, um, you know, vastly important to the, you know, military and defense industries amongst others, which is what, you know, at least in here in, in Sydney, New York, who we, we cover. But you worked there for a little while and then you came to Amphenol, radically different company, <laughs> Um, in probably uh, many different ways, but yeah. just describe a little bit the differences between someone like a Northrop, which is a, which is a huge prime contractor, government contracts, and Amphenol. Northrop Grumman is a great company, and I, I learned a lot about, I think I learned a lot about what I could do with mm -hmm. my career because of their structure. Um but the, the two vastly, I mean, you hit it right on the head, two, two incredibly different types of, of companies. Northrop Grumman being that tier one right. military contractor, it, 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 and then, you know, us being tier two, tier three, you know, the component supplier to mm -hmm. companies or, or even sometimes not just directly Northrop Grumman, but to a company that's going to go to another company, another, 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 then it'll get to Northrop Grumman, right. you know, five, five vehicles later. But, um, you know, Northrop was just, it was a military contractor and it was military-esque run. Like it was, yeah. it was very robust, detailed, super structured. Yeah. yeah. Um, you had, you know, I worked in a, I worked at the time there was four sectors. So it was whatever, a hundred thousand employees split within these four sectors. And then the four sectors had divisions and business units and operating units and all that stuff. And... Um, I worked, you know, my overall HR team in that sector was like a hundred something people, mm -hmm. uh, it, just in HR. Yeah. And then 
my employee base that I supported was like 5,000 employees. And those employees, 95% of them were in different locations than where I was sitting. Right. So I did a lot of remote support and help for HR issues, which is incredibly difficult. Mm. Um, but they were just very structured with their forms and their processes and things. So like someone in my position would have to use things that were already already decided on, you know, at the top mm. and then pushed down. Um, and sometimes if you had an idea to do something, you know, uh, because things already existed and you worked on your stuff, you know, stayed in your lane, you had an idea, you might be able to push it through all the layers the management layers. By the time it came back to you six months later, it was either going to be no, or mm-hmm. if it was a yes, you'd be like, okay, well, I, this was my idea that I was kind of on. I was, I was churning and on fire for six <laughs> yeah. months ago. I'm into other stuff now trying to. So I'm um, coming here. It was much more, it was a shock for me, a culture shock. I mean, I, um, you know, coming from that area, I tell people the story sometimes of my coming here for an interview. Mm-hmm. So when I came here for an interview, there was only like three people physically sitting in this building because we had just moved from, you know, oh, the right. hospital and we're right. moving over here and getting over the floods and right. things like that. And uh, I remember driving, you know, from the Binghamton area where I live to here and I take exit eight for Bainbridge and yeah. I'm coming up old Gifford road yeah. Um, yeah. and I'm passing by cows and barns and I'm, you know, my job right before this was Northrop Grumman in Northern Virginia, mm-hmm. you know, outside of DC and I'm going, somebody's messing with me. You mm-hmm. know, there's no aerospace company here. Yeah. And then you keep driving and the building was so new and still is new to me, you know, and it was just beautiful building and mm-hmm. you're like, Oh my gosh, this is cool. Like, mm-hmm. what am I getting into? And then, um, coming in, you know, just having the freedom to do things has been the biggest difference between here and Northrop Grumman is just like, you know, our CEO, Adam Norwood talks a lot about the entrepreneurial spirit. Mm-hmm. And I think it exists, you know, not just in the GMs, not just in the managers and directors and all the different department heads, but it exists. The opportunity exists down through every level. Mm -hmm. You know, you can come up with a new process as an accounting clerk, Mm -hmm. you know, to do something cool, different, better, faster, uh, make the company better and work on other stuff, you know? And so I just started, I just started on, you know, on turning over rocks and going, how do you guys do this? And it'd be like, well, you could do it this way. You could do this way. You could do it this way. Or, or the other answer I heard is we don't do that, you know, or we haven't. Come up with something. I'd be like, can I try, can we try this? You know? So talk about some of those. Give me a few examples that I know that you're, you're pretty proud of that, you know, some initiatives that you spearheaded and undertook. um, Cause there's been a lot since, since you started. Yeah. What, one of the first things I think I, I worked on, in like my first few months here. I mean, I always tell people this, you take a, you get a new job and especially in an environment like this where you have, where you're coming in and, and you have people like me, you know, who there is one of the first people they meet and they're telling you there's going to be opportunity for you to be creative. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't just come in and start creating, especially at a, you know, the entryest level. Right. <laughs> and so you come in and you learn that job, whatever yeah. it is, whatever the expectation of that job is. So I did, I learned the company and learned the job 
um, my job they gave me was like, you know, this list of 20 things. Mm-hmm. And this is your job. This report, you know, some recruiting, some of this, some of this, some of this. You know, and now, however many years later, you know, that, that list of 20 is like 5% of my job, right. you know. Um, but one of the first things I, I looked at was um, our performance uh, appraisal process and our and succession planning. Mm-hmm. The performance appraisal process, uh, uh, you know, initiative that I looked at was just um, was twofold. I was noticing that, you know, we weren't getting a lot of completions. Um, and then I also noticed that the scaling was was not you know, was hard. To, it was hard for managers to wrap their head around. It was a four-point management uh, performance scale, and so mm-hmm. it was. This was a quick thing. I just made a case for why I thought it should be a five-point scale. It gives people some more, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, ability to 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 accurately measure performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the succession planning piece, the piece that I'm a little bit more proud of, I guess, was in coming in here and starting to meet people. And that's one of the other first things I started doing was just meeting and talking to people, mm-hmm. getting to know them, um, was that we had a lot of people, and we do now. We, our demographics here are very much people that with less than five years and people with over 30 years or 25 years. Mm-hmm. And so I said, we have all these people that are going to be retiring, you know, either some sometime between today and in 10 years from now mm-hmm. there's going to be retirement and these are long-term employees with a lot a lot a lot of knowledge and that are crucially important important to the success of the business mm-hmm. and so i said you know i think it at the time it was um you know one of the process engineering managers that had been here for a long time and i was like and i, I only knew him for a little while but i was like what what are we gonna do when this person retires <laughs> And I didn't, I didn't, the answers I got back were not great. You know, we, mm-hmm. it was basically, we don't know, you know. And so I was like, we need to start identifying or getting the managers and the directors and the people that, you know, own these different areas to start wrapping their heads around what do we do next? Mm-hmm. You know, what will we do? And, you know, trying to, so I came up with a succession planning process with, Forms and things that's done at the same time as performance appraisals. It's, you know, that paperwork stuff is whatever. But it was more so for me less about the papers as it was thinking about, you know, people that are going to leave the company and trying to have a plan in mind. Now it would be a flexible, fluid plan that will change. But but, so that was one of the – those two things were one of the like – I mean, before I hit a year, I had the freedom to – come up with something, put a proposal together, do some trial runs like with a small department, mm-hmm. um, then have trainings with managers on how to use the resources. And now we still use them today. Mm-hmm. Is it a perfect science? No, no, it's not all perfect. It doesn't, but it's, it's I think, been helpful to changing the mindset of people. Of Yeah, we have to think about these things. So what are some of the other things then as you've progressed on like, a, so for example, the mentorship program sure. I know that you helped start as well. So talk a little bit about that because that's something that um, I've participated in. I'm a big fan of it. And I think that goes for throughout the business all the way up to the corporate level as far yeah. as mentorships. But what your objective was when you, you know, just basically formalized it a little bit in here um, and didn't yeah. make it, it was, you know, take something that was already probably happening organically, 
but just try to maybe just add just a touch of structure to it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, with the mentorship program, you know, and, and a couple of the other initiatives that we've been able to implement over the past few years, you know, I, I tell people like, I, you know, some of them sure were my brainchild. Others were just based off of, uh, Others were the ideas of the people here. It was mm-hmm. just a matter of starting the conversation, mm-hmm. you know, and then me, you know, who's looking to consolidate the stuff I'm doing and doing it faster. Anyway, the stuff that has to be done, the stuff that I consider, you know, not that fun or whatever, but still has to get done. I came up with, I try to come up with ways to do those quicker and faster so that I can work on this stuff, which I, I view as cool. So this, uh, the mentorship program, you know, um, kind of started, you know, I definitely saw how mentorship was taking place here in Sydney in general, how you had these people that were working hand in hand and collaborating. And, you know, you you have people in director levels interacting with people, you know, that are brand new and people that have been here for 30 years, interacting people who have been here for 30 days and, and such. But, um, you know, it, it really started to get steam when I, when I had what I say, and I, I tell people this when they're trying to take something on is getting executive sponsorship. Mm-hmm. So getting somebody at a at a high level that wants to partner with you or has, you know, you guys kind of come up with, you know, through conversation, you come up with something and you're like, yeah, let's do it. If you have that person at that director level, that senior manager level or something like that, that's mm-hmm. willing to do it, you know, that's a big support in a project like that. So Andy Gates, who's our controller, mm-hmm. you know, in us talking about the interactions of people here and the different dynamics of the, the people here. Um, you know, he was like, Oh, this mentorship, we had a mentorship pro- uh, program at one of my old companies and it kind of worked like this. And I thought about it. One of my old companies, I had a mentor, a somewhat of a mentorship program too. Um, and I tried to take what, we were already doing naturally and what, uh, you know, but put a twist on it that kind of fit our, the way that Amphenol does things, mm-hmm. you know, um, cause we don't, we're not a place that's going to require something. Thou shalt do this. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You have to do it this way. You have right. to report things this way or that way or whatever. I mean, accounting that yeah, I'm sure they have to report things. That's certain, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> that's, that's legally obligated. Yeah. To do that. But like, yeah. I mean, look at our IT systems, you know, that we, we talk about all the different divisions we have in the hundreds of different MRP systems, you right. know, you, you don't, the, the company doesn't require you to do something a certain way for the most part. And so, uh, you know, with this idea from, you know, this input from Andy and the executive sp- sponsorship that, you know, he was like, you know, take this, run with it, put together. And when you send your email to Ryan, our GM, you know, asking for permission to roll this out, um, I'll put my name on it and say I support it as well, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I kind of, I tried to, you know, put it together in a sense, like I said, that would work for our, our environment. And what I call the mentorship program now is a formally informal program. Right. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's no, it's not, there's no requirements of it. I asked for some loosely based requirements, which mm-hmm. are like, please meet once a quarter. Cause mm-hmm. if not, I feel like why even do it? You mm-hmm. know, um, you know, it, you can, uh, we have, I, what we say are the two sides, the technical mentors and then the non-technical or the professional or career development mentors mm-hmm. or 
um, the technical mentors being, you know, somebody in the materials lab that's a metal or polymer expert. And we have a new design engineer that's learning a lot about our products. Mm -hmm. And that person may mentor that engineer just to give them a more technical understanding of a product. Mm -hmm. And then we have the, you know, the career or the professional mentors, which is like, Hey, I could be, let's take the same engineer, for example, but it's the director of marketing or not even a director. And that's the other thing about this program is that we have a lot of peers matched with each other. So individual contributor to individual contributor, you know, doesn't have to be, you know, I think sometimes when I don't get people to sign up for it or to show an interest, I think it's a misconception like, all right, well, I'm at this level and, um, uh, you know, I don't know exactly that I'm looking for this type of person to, to mentor me, or there's only, I'm a part of a department that's, you know, only has two levels in it or only has four or five people in it. I, I go, you know, perspective is everything, mm-hmm. you know, that's the neat thing about this place is just learning. I love the history of this place, the product, the environment. And so matching people together to give each other perspectives, you could be a process engineer and a marketing specialist, you know? Right. It's learning about the back end of the business and the front end of the business, you know, whatever it is. So um, I just asked, you know, that people meet somewhat (laughs) regularly, go to lunch, whatever. You know, I I try to provide resources, questions and things, but I I don't force anybody to do anything specific. And then I check in with people along the way. How's it going? Uh, Is your is your mentor responsive when you reach out to to have meetings? Is your mentee reaching out to you? Mm hmm. You know, at the end, we get together and we talk about um, good things and things that we could do better and stuff like that. There's been a couple of running themes in, in doing this podcast over the last six months or so, um, talking a lot about the culture, but also about mentors. And everyone has mentors, probably whether they realize it or not. Um, right. So I think helping to to foster that dynamic just a little bit and just formalize it just to touch is, is an invaluable tool to the workforce um so like kudos to you and everyone else who's who's been doing this yeah so what what gives you the most satisfaction out of doing this job then i mean i know you you know you didn't get out and you weren't you know a businessman with a yeah with a fedora and an overcoat and all that yeah the satisfaction um, is certainly not money (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) i went into hr for the money you don't hear that a lot so Um, but what what i mean so doing this now i mean what what makes you most proud or most satisfied, you know, just for Neil? Yeah. Uh, it, helping someone. Okay. I, I, it's, it's twofold. It's, it's, it's helping the people here. You know, anytime somebody comes down, whether it's and I've hired a, a lot of the people here uh, and I say I've hired in, in that sometimes I've found their resume. Sometimes I've sold them on the job. Sometimes I've, you know, whatever it be recruited them or coordinated their interviews and interviewed them. So I've hired a, a big portion of the people that are here. And so um, whether it's a person coming down to me and saying, hey, I'm thinking about going for this job or I'm thinking about asking for something in my current job or I'm, I'm thinking about implementing something, just like mm-hmm. something I like to do, implement things. Um, you know, what's your opinion? And I'll go, you know, kind of do like cognitive behavioral ah. <laughs> exercises, you know, Ooh. let's walk through this. Yeah. You know, let's. Um, let's, let's go. Okay. I'm really scared to talk about my boss and, or not about my boss, but about this with my boss or something. 
and we walk through it and then we we kind of role play what's this person might what might they say when you say that and and kind of get them prepared and and then when they come back in a week later and say, I had a great conversation. I don't know why I was so nervous or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then a month after that, they, you know, you know, they see themselves getting close to or, or accomplishing the thing they had sought out in the first place. Yeah. So I think helping people, I think, you know, giving them my perspective and I've always been a straight shooter with people, mm -hmm. you know, even when I say I'm, you know, quote unquote, selling people on the job here, I would never, like uh, like Shaq says, he would never, you know, uh, advertise something he doesn't use himself, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so he uses the general. Uh, yeah, I, I would. He he said uh, everything he does, you know. All right. From, now I think he's with Papa John's and yeah, Krispy Kreme, so I think John's, he's huh? okay. But um, I I I couldn't sell something I didn't believe in. Going mm -hmm. back to the selling, so the opportunity here the openness to create. And I've experienced both sides, you know, being at a company, a great company, but just with a different culture of, you know, almost overstructure for me mm -hmm. than to a company that had a very open structure, like, oh, you got an idea? Yeah, go do it. Mm -hmm. Go do it. If you fail, you fail. And be careful about asking to do the same thing again anytime soon. Now you could, you got to re-propose re it, right? Um, but if it's good, you're going to own it and you're going to carry it. And guess what? You still need to do all the other stuff that has to get done. That's right. Um, and I love that. I thrive in that environment. And I think a lot of people do once they realize they can thrive in it. Yeah. You know? um, so, yeah, you know, get helping people and, and, and implementing new things. I love, you know, I love change and change management. I know too much change can be bad and not enough can be bad. But, you know, um, you know whenever we're changing or doing things a different way, I just, I like to try to help people put people's mind at ease or get them excited about how that change could be a positive thing mm -hmm. and not necessarily a negative thing. You know, the, we have a word that, or a phrase that goes around here a lot since I started here. It's called tribal knowledge. Mm -hmm. and everybody, no matter what department you're in, you've heard the phrase tribal knowledge here. And I always joke. And I, you know, when somebody says it, I go, I hate that phrase. You know, mm -hmm. I get it. I get it completely. I understand it. I know it's true. You know, it is tribal knowledge here uh, in some areas. But I say, why can't we come up with a way to get that tribal knowledge on paper or somewhere in record? So, yeah, yeah some, some way to capture it mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily have to be a word document with step by step instructions, because if that was the case, it probably would already be that way. You know, mm -hmm. um, tribal knowledge is usually like, well, you would only know this by having felt it in your, you know, this contact in your fingers a certain way, you know, right, for, right. It, so it's just, I just think sometimes because it's difficult to capture the essence of a process or something like that, that gives people, it's tribal knowledge. You just have to, yeah. you have to do it for 30 years to know it is and it isn't. Yeah. You know. Well, I'm glad that drive didn't deter you the first time you came down here because it seems like, um, no, you're, you're doing pretty well and you're enjoying this so good for you yeah yeah no i enjoy it and i like my drive i drink my coffee on the way in and... <laughs> well cost that's awesome i appreciate you coming neil thank you very much yeah absolutely thanks for having me